Welcome back to the Wealth Actually podcast, the show that features artists, entrepreneurs, experts, and commentators that will give you the right knowledge, planning, and guidance so you can preserve your assets and enjoy your wealth. Learn more and subscribe today at wealthactually.com. And now, here's your host, Fraser Rice. Welcome back to the Wealth Actually podcast. I'm Fraser Rice. Today, we have to speak with Leslie and Mark Beggart, the co-founders of Fabulingua. It's a company devoted to providing a revolutionary way for kids to learn a second language. It uses many of the features of traditional natural story reading and modern gamified learning techniques so popular today. Leslie, Mark, welcome aboard. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. Great. I'll tell you what, maybe the best thing to do is for the two of you to talk a little bit about your backgrounds and your business backgrounds before we get started talking about the company itself. My background is I've lived all over the world. I've uh, been able to uh, live on both coasts of the United States, in Europe, and in Asia. In fact, I started a, a wireless technology company, a consumer-facing company in Shanghai, China. I lived there for six years and then have come back here to Austin, Texas. I have been, in one way or another, helping build and grow startup to grow stage technology companies over the last 20 years. And that sort of led me and lent my background to what we're doing here with Leslie at Fabulingua. But but Fabulingua really is a story, story being the essence of what we do. It's a story about sort of Leslie's background. So I'll turn it over to her. My background with regards to Fabulingua, it really starts in my childhood. I was raised in a bilingual environment. We spoke English at home and Spanish in school and outside. I was raised in Barcelona, Spain, and then moved to England later on, had a degree in psychology and philosophy from Oxford and then a master's in social anthropology in Cambridge. And while I was there, I developed some skills in simultaneous translation when I did a lot of uh, projects in the field. And between that experience in simultaneous translation and then living and working in many different countries and companies that use different languages, L'Oreal and also lived in China with Mark, studied fine arts in one of the Chinese universities, sold real estate and bought real estate in South America. After that, I really realized like how valuable this multilingual experience had been in my life, both professionally and personally. So I really wanted to give that gift to my children, but I did not start right when my son was born. The impetus started later on. He was about two and a half years old. When I made that decision, found that there was very little out there to support me in wanting to help him learn Spanish. So long story short, I looked high and low because I really wanted something that would really move the needle that wouldn't be a token effort for a child. And in the end, I ended up reading a lot to him in Spanish, but found that bilingual books didn't work for us. He basically just ignored the bilingual translation and Spanish alone, Spanish immersion books didn't work for us either because he was just didn't understand what I was talking about. So I then started weaving in the simultaneous translation skills that I had developed over summers uh, working in college. And we kind of went from there. I suddenly realized once he went to school that this methodology that I developed for him was really, really crazy effective. And when his sister came around, I, I did the same with her. And at some point, I just thought this is this is working really well, but I just don't have enough time to do as much of it as I want. You know, this really needs to be automated in some way. And that's when I started looking for products online that were kind of doing what I was doing with them in an analog way. And I found none. And so six months later, I looked again and found none and, and eventually just thought, you know, I need to build this myself. I'm kind of surprised that there's nothing out there in the market. 
that teaches this way. Yeah. So for those of us who have thought about trying to cobble together another language, we talked before, I took seven years of Latin and one of German, which makes me pretty much stuck with English. <laughs> and, you know, I guess Rosetta Stone and some of those products are out there. How does Fabulingo work? The difference that you'll find with Fabulingo is that it's, you know, it's story-based. So essentially what we do is you're reading a Spanish language story or a Spanish language story is being narrated to you. And there's a sort of a simultaneous translation which occurs verbally, orally, on a phrase-by-phrase basis. So essentially the child, even if they've never had any experience with, with Spanish before, will be able to comprehend the story because of this simultaneous translation that's woven in. And then the interactivity, which is associated with our platform, because we put a lot of different interactions and sort of gamification, it also prevents the same sort of simultaneous translation. So for example, the text will only be in the target language. The narrator reads the text. El perro se fue, the dog went, a la playa, to the beach. Y se encontró, and he met, un tiburón, a shark. And the fact is that the kids don't pay attention to what language they actually heard that. But what what's happening is that it's a bit like kind of the mommy ninja strategy of chopping vegetables up real small and putting them in the pasta sauce, is that the kids don't realize that they're getting a lot of exposure to Spanish that they generally understand in a kind of... So, so, so this, this is all premised on some academic work that's been done in the field of second language acquisition and by Stephen Krashen out of USC called Comprehensible Input. And, and basically the idea is that, that the single most important thing in learning a new language is that you're exposed to a lot of input to your brain that is input you can understand the meaning of, that it's comprehensible, that you can get a general gist of it. And so what we do as we weave in this oral translation to the written text is that we make that text comprehensible so you can just enjoy it and indulge in it. Therefore, it's an exposure program of a lot of that. And then your brain is really good at wiring, especially children's brains, to whatever language they're exposed to in this way without a need for endless flashcards and grammar rules and that kind of thing. So that's really, and the other main difference, of course, is that Rosetta Stone, Duolingo, all these things, they're all for adults. They might look like they have cute kitty logos, but you need to be able to read in your own native language in order to use them. For our product is designed for kids age two and up, and they don't need to be readers. So it's really targeting that young child who is so very capable of learning a second language. The part I like about it is that by chopping up the phrasing like that, you avoid the problem that I've heard other people have where they try to learn a language when they're you know sort of traveling for business or something like that, and they're watching TV with subtitles, and you've got this stream of, of a foreign language. You've got the familiarity of a movie or something like that, or the context of a news program where you can kind of piece together what's happening, but that connectivity between the two isn't happening, and what you just described, I think is particularly interesting on that front. That's exactly what's happening. It is hard to connect the language to the subtitles. By offering this on a phrase-by-phrase basis and also being able to see it as it's highlighted, right, you begin to connect the target language with your native language. What's amazing about it is, you know, Leslie alluded to this a bit earlier, the effectiveness is had. I mean, when our children got to preschool or, or kindergarten and the Spanish teacher that would come by once a week for 30 or 45 minutes and work with the kids, everything that she was teaching was falling on very fertile ground with our children. 
And our children's rate of learning was sort of off the charts relative to their peers because they had this foundational familiarity in that particular language and because they had confidence and had been exposed to that language. So to them, it was engaging and interesting. So you've got deep experience with Spanish. What are the other languages that you're thinking about? Teaching Spanish to English speakers is where we started because that's our experience, our own personal experience. But an even larger, perhaps more lucrative market is going to be teaching English to Spanish speakers. So that would be both in the United States and in Latin America. That's an opportunity that we will be pursuing very shortly. It's sort of the next step. And then beyond that, because we did live in China, we have an affinity for learning Mandarin, and we know that that's a significant market as well. Plus, we have the network over there to, to lean on as well. So that would be another language as well as, you know, Leslie mentioned earlier, French, potentially. Cool. So, so what is the plan for the business? Where, where are you now and where are you taking it? We started the business at the end of 2017, and we spent quite a bit of time doing what we consider sort of a customer development research and understanding who the customer is, what is their pain point, what are they looking for, where's the opportunity, really more or less to, to sort of prove out our thesis. And we sat down with 40 different families who were passionate about this, and it proved out our theory that this was a uh, very interesting sort of overlooked and underserved market. We then spent the last couple of years developing the prototype and building the team. And just recently, we did all that on our own dime. And just recently, in the, this summer, we went and raised a small pre-seed angel round of a little less than a million dollars to sort of allow us to build that team and begin to develop the tech. And now, here we are, within a few days, we're going to be launching this product on the App Store and on Google Play. So it's a really exciting time for us right now. And We'll launch with a few stories and we'll be adding, because it's a subscription-based service, we'll be adding new stories on a regular basis to keep the content fresh and to appeal to sort of a you know, broader, wider market. Oh, really cool. So you're going to be on the, on the different app store capabilities. Are you reaching out to schools and other educational situations? And how does that work? Initially, we're targeting families. We're targeting the consumer. Our strategy really is to win over the consumer first and then have the consumer essentially sort of lead us to the educational community, to teachers, to instructors, to tutors. And then when we have a broader offering with more stories on our platform and we have more sort of publishers providing us content as they see the success, breed success, then we'll be able to head to schools. And uh, we think that it's going to be a, a really effective sort of complementary tool to teachers' own curriculum. Let's talk a little bit about the entrepreneurship experience, which I, I'm sure is both exciting and terrifying and all the other emotions in between. One thing that's really cool about your story is that, you know, your husband and wife starting and running this business. Talk a little bit about how that experience has played itself out for you. It's been really cool. It's been really surprisingly great. I mean, I think if you'd asked me four years ago, would you two ever work together? I'd probably say never. But weirdly enough, I actually think that for this product in particular, I think our, our skill sets might normally overlap quite a bit and that probably wouldn't be good. But for this product in particular, I am totally committed to the product side. And because of that, I just knew from the beginning that I couldn't do and I didn't want to do the whole kind of CEO, COO running of the business and administration because I just am totally wedded to the product and the vision. So in actual fact, the two 
skill sets. Like, so Mark really just makes this thing just run well and everything like that. And I'm obsessed with the content, the product. The, and really, that's my background too. I was a product manager at L'Oreal. So it's worked really well. Now, from a family perspective, it's actually been really nice for both of us to be equal, you know, partners work-wise. And, you know, so we'll just totally ham and egg it. You know, have you got the kids today? Yeah, I've got that kid. You've got that one. Because we've got to still be parents and be present for, for our kids. And so it's been really wonderful to just that side of it has been so smooth as well. Remind us again, do you have anybody working for you that you're able to delegate other functions or are you doing it all yourselves? No, absolutely. We've got a really important team working for us. We've got around five developer engineers, a art director, animators. We have a couple of marketers, one who helps us out on the content side, the other on the on the brand design side. And they've done an amazing job. We very much have a team that is they are missionaries. They bought into the vision, the mission of Fabulingua. In one way or another, languages are exciting and appeal to them, whether they're parents or their kids. It's a great team. Yeah, couldn't do it without them. I was going to say, I, I have another business idea for you. Would you display to the world how you keep your schedules aligned? I think you'll have something to sell on that front, too. <laughs> yeah, A lot of texting. <laughs> From a success story standpoint, it's worked well with your kids. How did you test the academic component, test the product as it were, and put it in front of people so that you understood that you really had something beyond just great parenting skills and good language skills? It was something that would translate to that end consumer. Well, I mean, we've been testing from a pretty early stage and various degrees of intensity of testing, like pretty much all along since we started, you know, before, way before our first prototype. So that's just been something that like iterating on that. I went out to Denver, spent two weeks there with a company that specializes in testing educational apps on children and like puts little sensor readers on their feet to, and tracks their eyes and, you know, so that aspect of it has, I don't know, it's just been part of what we do. We've gone into schools. We put it in front of classrooms, individuals, groups of kids. That's- We've gotten a lot of good feedback from educators as well. So teachers have given us feedback about what they think around the approach, the method, and all of them, almost to a, a person that the, the really wonderful thing that we hear is that, oh, this just makes so much sense. It's intuitive. I get it. I'm surprised that this hasn't been done before. Of course, children love stories. And of course, this is a way to be able to provide that type of exposure program and to keep them engaged. And of course, they also love technology. So if you can combine stories and sort of games with an iPad or a phone, boy, the children that we've put this in front of have been um, really excited about it. And and we typically have comprehension games that are associated with these stories at the end of these stories. And it's very surprising how quickly they're able to pick up vocabulary and sentence structure and understanding masculine, feminine. It's impressive. It's magical. How do the games work exactly? Are they sort of multiple choice components or are they things where you put sort of a flashcard scenario where you've got a picture of something and then you know, maybe a choice of words to help reinforce what's been demonstrated a little Our games are, we're constantly evolving and and, and coming up with new games. Right now, we're going to start off with two games. One of them is a matching game, which is sort of basic comprehension game of nouns in the story. Um, They're always randomized. So you can't just learn, oh, the guy on the left fits in with the guy on the top right. And then the other one is one that, that all foreigners tend to have a real problem with, which is the whole masculine, feminine, you know, what gender each noun is. 
the idea is to make it fast and to make it like this words dropping. And then you have to swipe to the put it in in the masculine or the fem feminine category. But you have to do it fast enough that you're not sitting there thinking about the rule is that if it ends in O, then it's masculine. No, it's kind of like you would learn it if you were immersed, which is I've only ever heard abeja be referred to as la abeja. So if, if you ask me to make a split second decision and just go with my gut real fast, I'm just going to make the choice that I heard in the story. So it just ends up promoting that in that game. But we, you know, we're, we're going to be developing a whole load of other games as we progress. Each one's going to be bite-sized, quick to play, but meaningful in terms of either comprehension or sentence structure or grammar. So this is an exciting time for you. It sounds like you're launching within the week. W what does the timeline look like? What's the date of the launch? Well, we're dotting our I's and crossing our T's right now. We've got it submitted to Apple for their approval. I would say, you know, it should be live and available by Tuesday. So that's really exciting. And, and what we'll be doing initially, of course, is slowly sort of getting the word out while we're also testing the live app as well to make sure that there aren't any significant bugs that we need to address. And then slowly but surely, we'll begin to see five or six different you know, marketing channels and see what kind of response we can get. And if one or more particular channels have a low cost of customer acquisition, then we'll, as you do in marketing, you'll turn on the gas and see where you can take it. But we'll be adding new stories over the next several months and then plan on continue to do that a story a month and additional features and games and things like that. So this is just the start of a long journey. And really, the next nine to 12 months is about finding, is about tweaking and optimizing the product so that we can find product market fit. Cool. Assuming this is designed really to be used via a phone, maybe iPad or other sort of personal device like that. Any differences in using that versus using sort of a typical desktop? Well, at this point, we will not be available as a web version until sometime maybe to the middle of the end of next year. We're really focused on mobile devices right now. We see, and based on all the market research that we've done, that essentially 100% of, of our target market is geared more towards consuming this type of product via their mobile device. Oh, that, and if that's what the research is showing, why why do anything differently on that until you're ready to do it? That makes sense to me. So as you're getting things charted out, what what is the best way for people who are listening now to stay on top of Fabolingua's progress? Well, there's a couple of ways. One would be to come take a look at, at what we're doing on our website, fabulingua.com, F-A-B-U-L-I-N-G-U-A.com. Check us out. You can read about the method. You can see sort of examples of what we do learn more about our story and the team. You could also follow us on Instagram. Fabulingua Kids is our Instagram handle. And then we're also available as uh, Fabulingua on Facebook. We've been communicating with our audience and growing our audience on social, particularly Instagram. But also, if somebody's really, really wanting to get super nerdy on the background behind all of this, we've also made quite a number of videos on our YouTube channel that really go into much more depth. So as we sort of wind things up here, one of the things I like to ask is what people do in their spare time. Now, you've managed to integrate family and business in a very tight way. What do you like to do when you get five minutes to yourselves? Or what are your different hobbies? I mean, to be quite honest, the last couple of years, I uh, was diagnosed with cancer two years ago. So I've been pretty busy healing from that. So that was probably the main thing that uh, meditation, <laughs> I now do a lot of that yoga, trying to get better. That's been the other 
part of our lives together. But I'm well, I'm good. So we're, we're good. Yeah, we feel very fortunate about that. I think the, you know, the other time is that our family is pretty sporty. We'll get outside and do all sorts of different activities. Living here in Austin, Texas, being right near Barton Springs and the lake. So we have a lot of opportunities to get out there and have fun and swim and, and do things like that. Right. Well, well, Leslie, continued success getting back from your illness. Double continued success on Fabulingua. And we'll be watching with great interest. Thanks for coming on. Thank, Thank you, you, Fraser. Thank you for listening to this episode of Wealth Actually, hosted by Fraser Rice author of the book Wealth Actually and a leading private wealth manager. Head on over to wealthactually.com where you can subscribe to this podcast, get your own copy of the Wealth Actually book, and connect with Fraser directly. We'll see you next time on Wealth Actually. Wealth Actually.